Hello and welcome to the Good Mood Podcast. I'm very excited about this episode because it was such a fun conversation with Tracy Sider, Perry Menopause Movement and Posture Coach. This is episode 79, the Functional Movement and Alignment episode. I am Dr. Talia Marcajani, and this is the Good Mood Podcast. So your alignment habits can be stopping you from getting what you need out of your exercise. Did you know this? Going for a walk in poor alignment is much different from going for a walk with good alignment. It changes the muscles that are used, how hard those muscles work, that feedback from your muscles, your joints, your nervous system to your brain, and so on. It affects how you can build muscle, it affects your injury resilience and prevention, and it actually affects the shape of your body. So if you've been working out, doing squats, doing ab workouts, and you're not really getting the results that you think you should be getting, the answer could be in your alignment. Alignment is everything. When I was a student as a naturopath in the naturopathic college, I discovered the world of biomechanics. Biomechanics are the physics of how the body is supposed to move in alignment with the natural curvatures of the spine, the angles of the joints, and how the joints are designed to experience different forces of the earth, of the muscles pushing and pulling against them. And so I learned about a woman called Katie Bowman, and she taught me various things in her blog, Katie Says, that was that she was publishing kind of in the early or mid 2000s. The, the, 2000 and zeros, I guess, the early knots, they call them. She taught me various things like how if you want Michelle Obama arms, you need to allow your arms to move past the sagittal plane of the body or like behind your body while you're walking. And then if you hold your arms too stiffly at your sides, that it makes it hard to build tricep strength, various things like that. And so I was really into this whole idea. Along comes Tracy Sider, who is the guest on my podcast in this episode. She's an alignment coach. She studied with Katie Bowman and her life journey as an editor um, brought her to alignment and the magic that comes with that. More specifically, she's a peri slash perimenopause, menopause movement and posture coach. And her goal is to help you find joy in movement by focusing on the foundations, proper alignment of the skeletal system, bones, and joints. When we are in alignment, so physically, but also metaphorically, like spiritual alignment and mental and emotional alignment, our joints and muscles work better, we experience less pain, our nervous system can work properly, and we are flexible, dynamic, fluid, and robust. We become unbreakable. Tracy and I talk about the difference between movement or alignment and posture, how you need to align your body before you go for your daily walk in order to reap the benefits of it, how 30 minutes of quote exercise is not going to outdo an entire day of chair sitting, and that we might need to reframe this idea of exercise in our modern society. We talk about the nervous system, aka how anxiety might lie with your type hip tight hip flexors and how 10 minutes of stretching these hip flexors may do more for you than going for an hour run, depending on what stage of life you're at and what your health concerns are. We talk about why shoes are the devil, how to breathe properly, and so much more. It was such a fun conversation and I feel Tracy and I could have gone on and on and on on many different tangents, uh, especially the shoe thing. (laughs) 
but it was such an exciting conversation. There's so much to talk about and I feel like this area of health is so rich and that Tracy has so much to offer in terms of helping people feel their best. Tracy is the creator of the Reshape Method, which is a 12-week program that balances alignment, muscle building, mindset, breathing, and consistency to help women in their 40s find the movement patterns that help align their shape and health. I have links for her website, her free posture quiz, and uh, to learn more about the Reshape Method in the show notes, as well as a link to her Facebook group where she offers many challenges and, um, and more information if you want to follow her. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here's Tracy Sider, and we are talking about functional movement, alignment, posture, and how shoes are the devil. So welcome, Tracy. Hi, Talia. Uh, So maybe you could, well, we'll just jump right in. You are a... (laughs) A movement coach is that what you would how you yes, describe yes, your yeah. title? I call myself a perimenopause movement and posture specialist. Beautiful. So, where did it all begin? Like, how did you get into this? And I know you trained with someone very interesting, and I'm wondering how that story goes. Yeah. Well, um, this is the second career for me. Um, I am, I'm 52 and I changed careers at 47. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, so, so what happened is that I'd always been active. Um, I, I had my own business, my own publishing editing business. I edited and published academic journals, um, in, in South Africa for a long time. And now, and now in Toronto, we immigrated 13 years ago and I carried on with my business here, but I'd always been active. I mean, I started yoga when I was 15 before it was like even a thing. Um, and I was also, I taught yoga part-time, but working as an editor, I was spending many, many hours behind my desk at my computer. But I thought I was, you know, checking off all the boxes because I would work out a couple of times a week. I would do cardio, you know, for the heart rate and I would do some strength training and I would um, do stretching with the yoga and I thought I was good to go. And then my early 40s came along and the wheels started to fall off out of nowhere. I started getting like just debilitating hip and back pain, foot pain, neck pain. My body shape started changing, even though I was doing all this working out. And um, it was even some bladder leaking that kind of came out of nowhere. So I, you know, I went to the doctor, had all the tests done. Thankfully, you know, nothing was wrong that required any kind of intervention. And I was just given medication to help manage the pain. I was told to move more. Um, And so I started this kind of, I called it my health, my healthcare provider carousel, where I was going like physio, chiropractor, acupuncture, massage, just cycling through um, just to feel good enough to be able to, you know, hit that exercise. Um, And my therapists were all outstanding. (laughs) They all gave me amazing relief, but it was, it was spot treatment, right? What I realized after I found this different approach is that spot treatment is great for like an acute problem, but if you want holistic 
lifelong change, we've got to look a little bit deeper. We've got to like really look under the hood. So I was in this whole kind of cycle of just, you know, feeling good enough for a few days to be able to do the exercise and then having to go back to the massage or the physio or some other ache or pain would come up, you know, um, pain medication to, to help. Uh, but also getting like quite depressed <laughs> and frustrated uh, because nothing I was really doing was helping with my shape change and it was only going in one direction. Um, and I was just tired of being sore and achy. Like some days I would I'd wake up in the morning and I would just like, I just did not want to have to go and sit in front of my computer to work because I knew how just sore and miserable I'd be at the end of the day. And I was like, is this, is this it? Is this as good as it gets, right? It, it sounds exhausting was, too. It is, yeah. And everybody was telling me to just, oh, it's just normal, part of aging, just, you know, suck it up, Sally. Um, but I've always been a little bit of a rebel at heart. And I refused to believe that I, I had this feeling that something was missing, um, that I wasn't, that I didn't have the whole picture, um, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that missing piece was. But at the same time, I also knew that when I saw it, I'd recognize it. It would resonate with me. So I kept looking and I kept researching and actually my massage therapist at the time suggested I look at the work of Katie Bowman, who we were talking about, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal US-based biomechanist. Um, she has um, a company called Nutritious Movement, highly suggest that everybody look her up and buy her flagship book, Move Your DNA. So I bought Move Your DNA and I started looking at it and kind of each page I turned, I was like, oh, okay, this is it. This is the missing piece. This is the more foundational, holistic approach that has been missing, that it's not just about moving, right? We've told, just move, just move, right? It's about how you move. It's about moving well. It's about fixing your alignment from the inside out. And alignment is different to posture, but we can talk about that more. So with each page I turned up a book, you know, it's a more kind of natural movement approach as opposed to this is exercise, you do it in this time, and what you do the rest of the time doesn't matter. No, it turns out it does, okay? <laughs> and it doesn't really so, matter how uh, the exercise looks or the, the deeper foundational components to it. It's more like do a squat, do a plank. Right. But the But the subtleties of it, you know, it's, are not yeah, necessarily subtleties of it, and also the amount, right? That we feel that we can be sedentary all day at our desks and work because that's what we need to do, and then just um, take this exercise chunk, these 150 minutes a week that the government recommends, and just squeeze that into a little time at the end of the day, and we're good to go. Um, unfortunately, the body didn't get the memo. The body was designed to move a lot in a lot of different ways all day long. And um, you, you're like, you can't cheat evolution. <laughs> it's like saying so you can only breathe. You just need to breathe for 30 minutes a day. You don't need to breathe the rest of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just, Katie's work just um, resonated so much with me and um, her, her kind of corrective exercises and lifestyle tweaks and hacks that she was recommending were just making such a difference that I was like, okay, I've got to go, I've got to go and study with Katie. So I did, I went and I did her two-year certification. Um, and I'm so pleased I did because she actually is not um, training teachers anymore. Um, and then, yeah, then I started um, 
working as a as as a movement coach. And I, this work is relevant for everyone: men, women, children, octogenarians. So I was I was training everyone as a movement coach. Um, I closed my editing practice because I saw that people really, really needed this kind of work, that it really was a missing piece, very overlooked, that alignment and the way the body moves as opposed to just moving is very, very overlooked by by practitioners and by um, personal trainers, the whole fitness industry as well. Uh, but then I started noticing with myself as I got into my later 40s and with my um, female clients who are a little bit older, they would make great gains and then things would just kind of start to plateau and weren't working so well any longer. Um, and so I did more digging and researching and that's when <laughs> I came across the good old menopause or perimenopause, which I was clearly in, but many people don't realize that menopause starts in our late 30s, early 40s, and it is going to start impacting. So I specialized, I did further specializations and qualifications in um, the kind of women, I say over 45, uh, but it can be younger because we're different. Our bodies are different. We're like, they call it the change for a reason, because like we literally are changed. Our hormonal structure is changing. And so the things that worked in our 20s, 30s, even 40s are not going to work mm -hmm. after, uh, you know, after 45. And um, the things that work for men are not going to work for women. So, mm -hmm. so I have this tailored approach for women at this aging stage. Yeah. Like getting very That's specific and specialized. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you, yeah. So, I mean, where do we start? Like, what is, maybe we'll talk, like, what's alignment versus posture? And your website, you're like, we've been told to shoulders back, stomach in. This is good. Even when, uh, you know, I don't know for the listeners, but when we talk about posture, you might be hearing that word, like, anytime that would said, was said in class, like the importance of posture, you'd see everybody in the classroom kind of do something that they thought was doing the right posture. So it'd usually be like straight back, shoulders back, right? Versus yeah. the hunched over the desk thing, which might be better than being hunched if you were doing that for an hour, but that's not necessarily the goal <laughs> to yeah. be rigid. Yeah. Great, great, great question. So, so the basis of, of, of my whole approach and of my program um, is is alignment because that is our structure, our skeleton mm. is, it's the foundational structure of the body, right? And if we just move, as we told, you know, just do strength training, just move, just run, just this, just that. The problem with specifically women in our age and stage is that our skeletons are no longer well aligned, Okay, and I'll go into a little bit about what that means. So if you just take this body that is misaligned and then go and exercise on top of that, you're not going to get the full benefit of the exercise. And you're probably going to land up with setbacks and aches and pains because you're taking a structure that's misaligned and adding load to it. So a problem is kind of not guaranteed, but inevitable, right? So so let's just unpack a little bit the difference between alignment and posture, because the approach that I take in the kind of sequence of workouts 
that I teach people in my program called the Reshape Method is the whole point of it. It's it's basic and foundational, and it's getting your skeleton, your body into better alignment. Because when you're better aligned, you move better, your muscles fire better, and you get this whole sequence of benefits. Why is it alignment and not posture, right? Posture and alignment are, are not actually interchangeable. Posture is the way your body looks, okay? So if you are slumped over at a desk and your mom says, you know. Yeah, if your neck is forward. Right? Or like so we yeah. do this thing. We do this thing with our body, right? Chest up, shoulders back, belly in, so that we look better, mm -hmm. right? So we don't look all slouched and slumpy. We think we look better because we've created a straighter line. Mm -hmm. but visually we've created a straighter line. But what we've actually done is just taken our misaligned structure and repositioned the parts mm -hmm. so that they look better. Mm -hmm. So posture is the way your body looks. Alignment is the way your body works. Mm -hmm. And this is really critical because our skeleton is meant to look like the skeleton in the doctor's office, right? I'm sure you've got a skeleton somewhere there. It curves. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's not straight. Yeah. Right. And every skeleton in the doctor's office, right, or that is drawn looks the same. Mm -hmm. It's in anatomical neutral. And that's because the skeleton is not just arbitrary mishmash of, of bones and whatever place, right? The bones are meant to be at a specific place um, and at a specific angles relative to each other, and this is very important, relative to gravity, because it's how those bones move as we move, because yeah. we're not pot plants, we're moving human beings, we need, and that's where the whole moving well thing comes in. So, so what we need, to, so just going straight, you know, sit straight, shoulders back, we haven't actually improved the skeleton, we've taken this misaligned skeleton, and just jiggled our parts like a little transformer machine, right? I don't know if you like kids or nieces or nephews have these transformers, right? We haven't actually changed the foundational structure. We haven't changed the way the bones move and articulate. And therefore that will impact the way the muscles fire. And if the brain can even find the muscles, what we need to do is we need to create we need to have good posture because we have good alignment, not mm -hmm. good posture at the expense of good alignment. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm actually, like, I don't know if it's a good time to jump in, but I actually have a, a good example to illustrate this. Like I was saying, I recently went back to a chiropractor, got us an x-ray of my skeleton. So I was dealing with neck pain. I'm a surfer. So I have a strong, I have strong back muscles. Mm -hmm. I also do yoga. And, but after a surf session, I'd get this pain in the back of my neck. So my skeleton shows that rather than having this lordotic curve in my cervical spine, it's kind of straight, mm -hmm. which is not good. Yeah. Right? And, but I'm like, I'm, I'm fit. My back is really strong. And so what I, what I do to compensate is pull the, the neck muscles back. So the neck mm -hmm. muscles are very tight. The, um, you know, sort of in all different areas. And, uh, and there's sort of this forward leaning thing yes. that I'll just kind of extend my neck to compensate. So the perfect example, the underlying structure is not ideal. Yes. And then, but I, 
I can kind of get away with it visually because my muscles are compensating. But then what's happening is there's pain. I'm not effective at my sport. There's no endurance when I'm surfing, uh, that carries over to other areas. And, you know, it's, things are sort of going down the rest of my spine to the point where I'm noticing this, like, it's not quite pain, but it's a twinge Mm -hmm. in the knee and so on and so on. And so it's like learning to correct the spinal alignment, exactly as you're saying, in order to balance the muscles, right? Because what's ultimately happening because of the misalignment is that certain muscles are very tight and others Mm -hmm. are very weak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I love the way you were saying that you can feel it all the way down the chain, because this is where my approach is so different. I call it a whole body, whole being approach, because on in terms of the movement, in terms of the corrective exercises, we can't spot treat, right? The neck, your neck is the squeaky wheel. And while you absolutely should be treating your acute problem, which is something that a chiropractor, physio or massage can help you with. The actual problem and the actual solution is a whole body solution because everything in our body is affecting everything else in our body. So we all have these squeaky wheels, like these frozen shoulders or a sore knee or a sore neck. And we tend to want to reduce it down to, well, that's the problem and that's where I must treat. And this is where this approach is whole different. It, it is so different is that you have to take a whole body approach. Yeah. Everything about your body, right, from the tips of your toes to the top of your head is affecting what's happening to the neck. And that's why the workouts and the corrective exercises, I can't just give people one or two things. Like people will come to me and say, oh, you know, I've got a sore neck. Can you give me some exercises for my neck? And I'm like, I can't because it's everything about your body and everything about the way you move that is causing that neck problem. So um, the solution, as I discovered, was in in its, its whole body movement because we held together by fascia. Yeah, this yeah. is really important, right? Is that we held together by fascia, which is which is connective tissue. Um, and it's like cling wrap. So if you and I were holding a piece of cling wrap um, and I were to just tweak it a little bit on, on one end, you would feel it all the way over there. So while you're feeling it all the way in your neck, it could be something that's happening in your foot. Well, it probably is. It's the feet, it's the hand, it's the everything. So which is why my my series of workouts that I take people through to improve the spine, to improve the core function, it has to be whole body. That's where the magic is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And you can feel like with fascia, we'll probably do another podcast on fascia because it's such a big one. Yeah. But you know, if you do like a forward bend, you know, you might be stretching the low back, but you feel it. Like I feel it behind my eyes sometimes, right. you know, it's because there's this one fascia layer that connects it all. Yes. When I was doing yoga teacher training, they told us about something called fascial fuzz. It's a little bit off topic, but it, it not really. We're talking about fascia. So we have layers of fascia. Yeah. And like you said, it's like cling wrap, like saran wrap. It's layered that wraps our muscles. And uh, and that's like nutrients should be able to flow through. Yes. And, you know, and toxins should be able to be released through the fascia. But oftentimes these little adhesions, um, what this anatomist called fascial fuzz starts to mm-hmm. form. He's like, when you, when you move regularly though, you kind of clear up that fuzz. But when he would analyze cadavers, he would find like, if somebody hadn't moved for a few days, or if they 
had a habit of not really moving very often at all. There's all this fuzz that builds up and this is like that creaky stiffness. And that's, and that's really, really important. It brings me on to something else (laughs) is that stickiness, right? And that's key. And this is the the stickiness is key to the whole approach that I take. Um, And why in terms of my, my, my program, I really do focus and it's, and it's like really most helpful for, for women who do work desk jobs. Mm-hmm. And that is because the body adapts to the position we're in the most. And the position, and it's in terms of that fascia, that fascial fuzz, right? Uh, and in terms of muscle lengths as well. And the position that we've been in the most since we were six years old mm-hmm. is a chair sitting position. And this is and it's chair sitting that is very, very, that's imperative here that I'm talking about. So if you want to try and work out how many hours a day you chair sit, when you work, when you commute, uh, when you eat, when you relax, when you socialize, all right? The problem is not just sitting, it's specifically chair sitting. Yeah. Because what happens with chair sitting as modern human beings is that that chair sitting position is putting you at 90 degrees at the hips 90 degrees at the knees. It's a specific geometry of the body that that we are sitting in for hours and hours and years and years. And what happens is that the body adapts. That's what's so phenomenal about the body is that it wants to use, conserve as little energy as possible. Um, And (laughs) sorry, my dog was in the window. It wants to conserve as little energy as possible. So it's like, oh, you love to chair sit. Chair sitting is a thing that you do a lot because you're a modern human being, you know, and you work or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to make it easy for you to sit in this chair sitting position. Mm -hmm. So we've become these ninja chair sitters where we can sit in chairs for hours and hours and hours and it doesn't worry us at all. Tight hip flexors, loose abdominal muscles. And so, yeah, loose abdominal muscles, weak glutes, yeah. like these are yeah. all the things that start to uh, take place when we're sitting at that nine degree right. angle that you talked about. Because our body, yeah, our body is actually adapted. We don't realize that our body is adapted to the chair sitting position. So, for example, if you've ever broken a limb or, or known of somebody who's broken a limb, right, if you're in that, in, in that cast for six weeks, you know when you come out that cast, you don't have range of motion, eat full range of motion. It's going to take a while till you get the full range of motion back in the arm. Mm-hmm. And we know this um, and we expect it. Well, imagine what's happened to your body, right? And that's only after six weeks of being in the cast. Imagine what's happened to your body from the years and years and years and hours and hours of chair sitting, what you've, yeah. that you've done. What's actually happened is that when you get up to stand and move around, your body is no longer properly aligned. You're no longer properly aligned. You're, you're making all sorts of little tiny changes and compensations and adjustments to be able to stand up and walk around in the world because your parts are not stacking any longer. Mm-hmm. And this, this then just affects everything. It affects the way you walk. It affects the way you do everything. So this is really um, a kind of overlooked or ignored aspect um, of what is going on with our bodies. And again, why we need this, this kind of 
whole body foundational approach to to fix our skeletons and to get that full range of motion back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just we're not treating, we're not addressing the root cause. And a lot of people who go through my program are like, wow, I get so much better benefit out of my yoga, right? I get so much better benefit out of my walk. Because most of us aren't even walking properly, right? The stickiness in our hip flexors from doing all this chair sitting means that we can't even, our glutes can't work to even get our leg behind us, you know. And so a lot of what I focus on is just being able to get people to walk properly. Most of us are doing what's called a falling walk as opposed to this butt-driven walk, which is really where our strength should come from. Mm, A falling walk, you said? Yes. Yeah, so you're just like putting the foot out and kind of landing on it versus driving with the glute? Correct, yeah. Most of us, when we walk, because our our base skeleton has changed and because we have this special stickiness, in our in our hip flexors from all the sitting it means when we come to walk we're just because we can't get that leg behind us because walking supposed to be okay let me reverse a little bit things move forward on planet earth in two ways either by just falling forward right falling forward falling forward or by pushing back to propel forward like like rowing a boat, right? If you've ever rowed or if you've ice skated, you know that there's resistance back to propel you forward. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that so many of us modern human beings, we've lost what's called a posterior driven push-off, where it's that, that reflexive ability of the body for the glute to kind of move the leg back and push us forward. We don't have the foot range of motion. We don't have the hip range of motion. We don't have the calf length. There's all these things that come into what's called like a butt-driven or posterior push-up walk. Mm-hmm. And so all we have available is this um, walk that's happening at the front of our bodies where we just kind of like hinge at the hip flexor, step forward, and then kind of just break our fall yeah. and then do the thing. And that's just, that's that's not using strains. That's, I say two people can go for a walk and have completely different muscular use and caloric expenditure depending on what walk they have available and both of the Fitbits say it's the same (laughs) exactly and 99.9 percent of the people that I see because we're these modern human beings who you know because we've been told that's fine to sit all day as long as you're checking off your exercise box and doing your 150 minutes of exercise you're good to go turns out not (laughs) turns out the body didn't get the memo right because Our skeletons, our bodies are the same, the same structure, right? The same DNA, the same base human patterns as humans who existed 50 years ago, 500 years ago, or 5,000 years ago, or like, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago, right? Except as modern human beings, we're now moving a fraction of the time and a fraction of the amount because we need to, to work for our modern day survival. Like movement used to be part of our survival. Like we had to move in order to survive. Like interacting with our environment. Correct. We had to move to, for food, for shelter, to find a mate. It was just, and that's how the body evolved. The body evolved to do lots and lots and lots of movement, not 150 minutes a week, right? Lots of movement and lots of varied movement. As modern human beings, we don't need to move anymore to survive. 
But, but movement is not optional. The body didn't get the memo, right, that 150 minutes is good because that's what the government says. So, <laughs> so what we have today are actually diseases of affluence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's not even just movement in general. It's like specific movement patterns such it as is. like climbing, lifting, Correct. squatting, right. uh, sitting on the floor, which Katie Bowman is really into. Yes, like and having I'm sitting different... on the floor. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm like she will have like matches on the floor, like cushions on the floor, like yes. using the whole space because, Correct. and this yes. is like, you know, and you probably have um, clients like this and I've certainly had patients like this where uh, an ergonomic assessor will come to their workplace, but it's like, now we're just kind of putting you in a gilded yes. cage where exactly. it's perfectly ergonomic, but you're mm-hmm. like, now yeah. just your fingers move, but it's not about that. It's like about changing your position frequently, uh, awareness of the body standing uh-huh. and people like standing desk. Well, standing for a period of time, maybe sitting, maybe on the floor, maybe on your stump, like doing different positions. Uh, yeah. It's variety. The human body needs variety, right? Because the body adapts to the position you're in the most. And yes. yeah, a lot of people think, Okay, so sitting is the new smoking. They get that, but they think it is, um, so they get a standing desk, right? Because the opposite of sitting is standing. Yeah, kind of. The problem with the standing desk is that, well, you're still taking the skeleton that's misaligned, and now you're putting extra load and tension on it by standing. That's a problem to start Mm. with, right? But, and and we want to, it's the chair sitting, right? This is really important because more kind of traditional cultures that don't chair sit, like the Hazda in, in, in Tanzania, they still sit a lot, but they're sitting in different ways throughout the day. They're not chair sitting. It's the, it's, it's the constant, constant chair sitting, the same geometry that is causing the problem with our alignment and with our movement patterns. That's the first thing. And then the other thing is that the, the, the point with the Sitting is that it's sedentary. So we now we stand. Well, guess what? That's still sedentary. <laughs> we wonder why we're constipated because nothing's moving. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm showing people is a few things. I'm showing them how to create dynamic movement and to create a dynamic workstation, right? So I love the way you say we're just in these gilded ergonomic things. I'm saying move like I have, and it's so great that, you know, that, that we've been, a lot of people are able to work from home now because that's awesome. I show people how to get like three or four different workstations and to cycle through them throughout the day, because it's almost like we have to be given permission to move because from the age of six, we're told sit in your chair, right? Don't move, don't fidget. And you're allowed to get up and move at this time and this time and this time. And you're allowed to move in these ways and these ways and these ways. And I'm like, no, let's just break this all apart. It's almost like we have to give each each other permission to move. And for example, I, um, I, you know, if 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 I'm at an airport or something, right? I mean, you're about to sit on a plane for hours and hours and hours in a chair sitting position. Why do we all sit on the chairs waiting for the plane? You know. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, there's well, a perfectly good carpet well. right, yeah. right or often you know I'll go you know if I'm waiting for an appointment or something I will I will stand for it or I will choose to floss it uh, if I'm somewhere you know that you know where it's not dirty and people get very uncomfortable 
they're like, here's a chair, take a chair, sit on the chair. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good to sit on the floor. And like, they'll almost insist that I sit on the chair, right? So this work um, does, it it is an approach that kind of breaks through these these modern conventions, because that's all that they really are, right? They're modern conventions and conveniences that suddenly become a little bit inconvenient <laughs> when we start to ache all over, right? And our bodies start to hurt, then we need to think of a different way. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah it's almost like, I mean, when you sit, you're more manageable, right? Like I think a kid sit in a line, dogs. If my dog is unruly, I'm like, go lie down. <laughs> yes. So it's a way to kind of like, what, you're standing, you're, you're liable to do anything. You could come right. over here, you could yeah. kick yeah. or, you know, so like if you're then, sitting, I feel comfortable because you're over there and right. you're not going to move. That's right. And I have a whole module in my program called permission to move because the way we're going to get this more natural, varied movement into our whole day, which is what, what the body evolved to do and which the body needs is if the first thing is a mental thing, right? I give people lots of tips and ways to get this more because it's not just, it, it's natural and varied. It's specific types of movement that you want to start getting into your day. But a lot of people just have like a mental block to it. It's like we first have to start with actually giving ourselves permission to move. Mm-hmm. And that can be really foreign and difficult for some people as well. So I kind of give some tips and ways to start weaving that into your day because you suddenly realize that there are all these times in the day where you can actually stack on natural and varied movements. So I, I, I'm taking people through, my reshape method is, is taking women through this, this journey from an exerciser mindset which is how we've kind of been raised as modern human beings, where you sit in tree and you do your thing, right? Which, of course, is how humans had to be managed at school, exactly what you were saying, where you, you sit, you kind of sit in tree, and then you exercise. And that means you're in certain clothes at a certain heart rate, at a certain place, doing a certain thing. And it's usually like two-dimensional movement. Correct. Like treadmill, or I guess yes. treadmill's not even two-dimensional, but you're like running. It's like yes. you're on a single plane versus like moving backwards moving sideways one yes. yeah absolutely right just 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 being more flowing i call it juicy in your body and that's what fashion needs you when you are able to be juicy in your body again that's how you age audaciously because that's what i'm all about i'm all about aging audaciously and they're like well what did that mean it's like it means just moving and having the range of motion and the juiciness to move, not having that fascial fuzz, just having this flow and ease in your body, no matter what age you are. Like you a know, dancer in a sense, a dancer life. <laughs> yes, absolutely, right? And when you start putting the right kind of movement, and, and, and this is where the kind of workouts and movements that I teach people, they're very specific. They're very specific movements done in a very specific way. Um, I call them magic moves. And... It's doing those sequence of moves that actually correct that 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 improves your alignment from your inside out because this is not something that we can think about, right? It's it's not something you can think your way into. You've just got to do it. You've just got to do it. You've just got to do the movement. You just got to have a coach watching to make sure that you're not cheating or compensating because that's another big thing. Because mm-hmm. the body only knows what it knows. 
Mm-hmm. Knows what it knows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even know where our, we don't even know where our cheats and compensations are until a trained professional points them out to you. Okay, because also I was a yoga teacher for a long time too, and when I started this work, and when my cheats and compensations were pointed out to me, it was like, you know what, my core has actually never fired properly. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> we don't know. Like I, I was just saying, and I and this kind of goes back to the walking example you used. Like before we started recording, I was saying that same Cairo appointment, my left pelvis is more fused than the right. Mm -hmm. And once that started to loosen up a little bit, I started to actually feel my left glute for the first time. And I was saying to you, I'm like, how many squats have I put in (laughs) over the years that were just, just like evaporating into the air because that glue wasn't firing. And so you can load it with all kinds of weight and you can go, get into the position, but my other muscles are going to compensate for it instead. Mm-hmm. If I can't access it, if I don't know what it feels like to contract that muscle, mm-hmm. you know, when your brain sends a signal to feel the muscle and you get the muscle to contract, a lot of us can't access certain Correct. in the body yeah. because they're yeah. so weak or they're just, our body's like, oh, don't send nerves to that muscle. We don't need it. <laughs> right. Or there's just no neuromuscular pathway there because you're so out of alignment and because you've had these sticky bits for so long. Right. So glutes are huge. <laughs> and that's good, maybe why we're so obsessed good, with them on Instagram. <laughs> good, strong bodies need good, strong butts for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. The butts are meant to be powering us. I say to people, most people are, are what we call quad dominant because they're doing the falling walk they're stuck in the falling walk their their butt and their hamstrings are not propelling their movement and I say to people picture in your mind's eye like like a lion or a tiger walking you know through the jungle there's all this there's this fluid strength and power that you can imagine in your mind's eye it's being driven from the hindquarters of the animal right and that is where our movement should be driven from as human beings as well, except we're just not. We're just not. And, and, and you can't think your way into doing it either. The body has to find that through a process of improving alignment, unsticking your sticky bits, and, and helping to create this neural pathway and getting out of your movement compensations. Because when your butt can fire again, when you can get what's called, I call it a tennis player's walk, you'll see like professional athletes kind of walk differently and you're like, you'll start to notice it now, right? Like soccer players, they have really strong quads, but they have this kind of like pony walk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a fluid strength, right? Mm -hmm. That's coming from the back of the body. That's what we want. And particularly for, for, for the demographic of women that I work with over 45, Pelvic floor issues and bladder issues start to become big thing. And a big part of that is because the glutes are the only muscle in the body that tones the pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about Kegels. <laughs> yeah. Not all about Kegels. So it is very much about, again, whole body. You're not just a pelvic floor or a neck. You are a whole body. And many people say when they are able, you know, through doing the sequence of moves and coaching that I give in my program, when they're able to get this butt-driven walk again, get full like range back into their calves because we all have these shortened calf muscles from sitting for so long, from wearing shoes with heels. Oh, that's another whole other conversation. The conspiracy of shoes. Yeah. Then your brain can't find your butt. So you can be going to the gym, right? 
and doing squats and glute bridges and clamps till the cows come home, right? You have these beautiful, strong glutes that look great in jeans. But if your brain can't find the glute to initiate your gait pattern, mm -hmm. in terms of the function of the body, in terms of the pain, in terms of the movement of the joints, all sorts of things, right? The that, that glute muscle may not even be there. So yeah, your workout mm -hmm. can be a little bit of a waste. Sorry to say. Well, that's right. my experience. Yeah. And then in contrast, if everything's in alignment, you go for a walk yes. with your friend who's mm -hmm. flopping forwards <laughs> and you might be actually getting quite a good workout out of it. And yeah, like I, a lot of uh, fitness influencers I follow are very, like a very strong muscles, like very defined muscles and don't lift with a lot of heavy weights or load a lot of weight. It's more about, about them being, being very, very mindful, mindful of the muscles the that they're contracting and the alignment that they're right. putting their bodies into. And, you know, 20 pounds could mm -hmm. be just as effective as like 150 pound squat. Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, yeah. And so you, you, you help this with the magic movements where it's like layering mm -hmm. different uh, movement patterns to teach people to bring in different ways of moving. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I have a, a program called the Reshape Method where what we're doing is we're reshaping the body from the inside out. We're reshaping the skeleton, which then reshapes the body. Um, and I do that. I've, I've taken this whole series of I've done uh, for women over 45 um and i weave them into these half hour workouts because correctively have you ever been to the physio and they give you five workouts and you do them for like a couple of days and it was like this is so boring calves. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i've taken these corrective exercises to these into this sequence of workouts that moves through phases so that um so that you feel like you're doing a workout because a lot of it, and that's also the way to make sure you fit it into your day as well. It's it's like a blend of corrective exercise and Pilates and yoga. You feel like you're doing a workout, but you're not getting hot and sweaty. But you still feel the next day that you've really moved muscles and worked muscles. That that you've never worked before and very focused that you've done before in other scenarios. But I, because if we keep exercising in exactly the same way with our bones in exactly the same way with exactly the same movement patterns, you are going to keep recreating the same shape. When you just do a slight alignment tweak with your bone, suddenly all this new tissue and all these new neural pathways start to become involved. And that's where the change happens. So I take somebody through, um, it's, it's a three phase program of different workouts and different phases to start getting you stronger, more balanced. Because the problem is that we don't have balanced strength. We don't have balanced strength. We have our areas of our body that are dominant and key. Keep going into those dominant patterns. So motion um, and then that is what changes the alignment. And then you progressively keep adding, adding, adding. Because going back to fascia, it is really important that you meet your body where it's at. 
less is more. Less is more when it comes to reshaping the body because that fascia is like, I don't know if you've ever made bread. <laughs> Have you ever made bread? Uh, made back in the day, yeah. <laughs> so if you bash your hand into that dough, it almost becomes hard. It pushes back at you, right? But if you move your hand slowly through it and kind of meet it where it's at, then it starts to give, right? And that's what fascia is like. We can't. blow through our boundaries consistency is key when it comes to optimal in 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 everything that you do um because you've got to move in small increments right no pain no gain is not going to work when it comes to this kind of work because we're working and changing at the smallest most basic cellular level of the body because that is what is going to create long-term change and audacious and audacious aging Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a journey and a process that I take people through in terms of the alignment of the body on that like physical alignment aspect. But then I'm also taking them through a um, a mental journey, right? A mental and emotional journey from becoming an exerciser. Exerciser mindset where I'm to be where you don't have to be feel guilty about skipping your workout. Like if you get to that yoga class, it's awesome. It's great, but you don't have to be feel guilty about missing it because we're all short on time, right? Time's a big thing for all of us. So you don't, it takes away the stress and the guilt. When you become a mover, when you are movement, when movement and the right kind of movement in the right way is stacked and built into your very day, then that workout is the cherry on top of this really kind of healing, awesome natural, strengthening, toning, all these wonderful things that you're doing all day anyway. Um, And that's what a lot of people love. That's what I love as well. I think in, you know, you mentioned it's like self-care versus sweaty. Yeah. You're like, we're not just here to do work. It's we're here to repattern, to really feel our bodies, to feel what it's like to be in our bodies, to be more aware. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And like if I... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, if I handed you a big rock and I was like, lift this rock, mm-hmm. you would, ju- you would just try and get the job done. So yes. whatever that would look like, it'd be like using your back, just using the side that's more dominant and just, you know, but if I'm like, okay, no weights, we're just going to mm-hmm. really focus on what the proper way to sit on the floor is or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. You, you're, aw- you're like, okay, now I can actually be aware. I'm not, yeah. not just about getting the job done. Absolutely. There's definitely a mindfulness component to it. And as you, you know, as you're in those 12 weeks of kind of reshaping your pattern, there's a little bit of thought, a little bit of, of, of training that goes into it. So that then becomes just the way you move, just the way you would lift the rock, just the way you caught fire, right? Um, and it's like this, it's like this gift of time that you give yourself to just take take a step back so that you can move forward with ease and confidence and juiciness. It's like this little gift that you give yourself, this little gift of time of repatterning, of coming back into yourself physically and emotionally. Like many women who go through my program, they're like, think, you know, I want to start a new career, right? There'll be this whole change because mm. we, we, we are in our bodies. There's so much going on in our bodies that is affecting our mood, that is affecting, you know, when you just keep, you know, 
oh, I should have exercised and I missed my exercise and I'm a terrible person. And, you know, there are all these messages we get when we don't exercise because we don't have time. And then you're like, well, I'm doing this exercise. but it's hurting you. I mean, it's awful to wake up and but even if you've normalized it, it's still there all the time. It's still kind of weighing on you, right? So when all that stuff is gone, there's this whole new kind of ease and, and confidence and joy. One of my clients, joy is a big word that people have gone through the reshape method said they just have joy in their body and joy in their lives again, that they didn't sometimes didn't even know was missing, right? So this mood component is huge and it's like creating optimism as well. Um, because many women that I work with in our in our age group, they've been told to suck it up. They've been told, oh, this is just, oh, it's normal. It's just normal part of aging, you know, just like right. wear a tan pad or whatever, or just take this medication. No, it's not, right? Just because <laughs> just because it's something a lot of people have does not mean it is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people think, oh, well, it's downhill from here. I just have to suck it up. I just have to find a way to, to live with it. And then that absolutely affects our mood. It affects our outlook. It affects it affects what we're capable of, of, of taking on, what we want to do, right? The kind of mm-hmm. the kind of aging we want to have, because we're the first generation of women. They're going to spend you know a third up to a half of our lives in a menopausal state. And that's like, whoa, the first time I heard that, right? Mm-hmm. And menopause, right, the drop of estrogen has huge effects on your body, mm-hmm. on your muscles, on your joints, all sorts of things. So we want to just taking HRT, right, is 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 not is not always the the answer. It's not the panacea because there is this mechanical aspect to our bodies that is overlooked and ignored. And that is what we're focusing on in my approach. And many people say just feeling, one client said, you know, that going through the reshape method took her from feeling like exercise was this obligation. It's an obligation. It's another thing on her to-do list she has to do because the doctor says she must do it. Because da, 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 to feeling just optimistic, optimistic about the future, optimistic about all the things she can do, right? And when our movement is the self-care, then 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 that's amazing. It's like a few things are coming to mind. I mean, one is like, first of all, our nervous system exits from where? The spine. And so if the spine's not in alignment, what yeah. signals are continually being sent from our body to our brain about the environment, right? Like if your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight system is constantly, if if those nerves are constantly being uh, triggered or irritated, there's this sense of like, life is not safe. All is not well, you know, similarly the psoas. So the hip flexor is, uh, is, is also connected to our uh, parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system. And a lot of anxiety is like stored in those hips. What yeah. signal, like what, uh, what messages are being sent from those muscles to the brain about the state Huge. of our environment. Huge. Right. And uh, we always talk about yeah. this, like there's messages that come from the body to the brain yeah. about mm-hmm. what life is like. And, and we can interpret those messages to be like, well, I have this issue with my marriage or I'm worried about the, price of gas, like we can start to ruminate on what could actually be wrong. And mm-hmm. then I am just imagining that person who has all those signals firing, say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk to de-stress. 
but that walk is further tightening the psoas. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why do I feel terrible? Why does it feel like a chore? Why does it not feel liberating or beautiful or exciting yeah. or freeing to go for a walk in the way that it has the potential to? Because as humans, that's part of our like exploratory drive and the way we interact mm-hmm. with the world. We go and we go and walk and we go and try and find stuff you know, to eat <laughs> mostly, you know, <laughs> or people yeah. to meet. Or and so th- what you're describing is like when when things are in alignment, movement actually delivers the full enjoyment, enjoyment and feedback that it that it's supposed to. Yeah. And I'm so pleased you brought that up about the psoas because that is actually one of the big pillars um, of my program and of my approach. The one of the magic moves, which are the workouts, which is the doing, right? We all good at doing, 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 right? right. And then the other pillar is the movement multitasking, which I'm saying, stacking this natural buried movement into your day. But then the other big part is what I call alignment, resetting, unmoves. It's the undoing because there is actually tension that is pulling you out of alignment. There's tension in your body that is pulling you out of alignment. And so just doing these like posture things and tucking your pelvis or untucking your pelvis, that's adding tension to tension. And that is 100% what we do not want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Adding tension to tension never solved any problem. Mm-hmm. So there is, um, I ask unmoves, and that's exactly what it is. It is putting your body into these specific positions and just lying there for 10 minutes. And it's specifically working on the psoas and, and on the iliacus muscles to re- because there is, is resting tension in those muscles that we need to release. Mm-hmm. And this is a big part that is missing from so many movement programs it's the doing, the doing, the doing, and there's no. We don't give our time, ourselves any time to allow tension to release, to just allow that so as to go back to its normal resting tension. And what people love about doing those alignment resetting moves is that, first of all, as you say, it's just when our so as is in this tightened state, when we're like, you know, chasing after tigers all day long, we don't even realize that that's where we stuck. Mm-hmm. We don't even, and that is kind of upregulating our whole nervous system, but we never give a chance for the so as to just relax. And so these moves, do they feel better because it's tapped right to the, it's like, it's like a five minute so as release and move is equal to like an hour of meditation because it just physically takes you straight to that place without you even having to try. Plus you get up and your whole alignment has changed. You can do in five minutes of not doing something, what you can spend for years trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I don't know if this, if this is the experience of some of your clients, but sometimes we can like cry or have this emotional release when we're releasing the tension in the psoas. Like people often in restorative yoga be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm thinking about this thing that happened like 10 years ago and I'm crying and releasing emotions that are trapped there. Um, mm-hmm. And in Chinese medicine, we talk Absolutely. about emotions yeah. and trauma that, that, being trapped in our fascia as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. Very, very much so. And I ask people to do 10 minutes of that of that release time a day. And we all need to, we all need to do it, right? Anybody who's sitting at a desk or commuting for any length of time or under any kind of stress, which would um, probably, you know, 
every human being on the planet would probably fall into that because we're bombarded by all about all the stress. We need this time to just kind of de-chair our bodies, de-de-de-de-stress our bodies. And often we 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 come to that from a mental perspective, but the magic really happens when you come to it from a physical and a mental and emotional perspective all together. So it's very powerful yeah yeah what you mentioned breathing as well that that's one of the pillars that you focus on is this process of is it teaching people how to breathe uh focusing on breathing so breathing is huge (laughs) breathing is huge and it is um, a whole module in my reshape method program and also um i i do i do breathing work as as one-on-one sessions with my clients um which which is part of the program as well because everybody has slightly different kind of um breathing patterns that are not optimal okay so I don't like to say like there's a wrong or right way to breathe, <laughs> but there's more like there's an optimal and a suboptimal way to breathe. Breathing is huge because we're breathing 23,000 times a day. So your breath can either be helping you or hurting you. So the thing with breathing is that the rib cage is actually what is meant to be moving the most when we breathe, it's meant to be opening like an umbrella and closing like an umbrella. And that's what sets off this good movement of the diaphragm, which then also creates good tone in the pelvic floor and good tone through the psoas. Breathing is actually a whole body thing, right? When it is done optimally. The problem is that most of us, 99.9, we are breathing with what is called our secondary um, muscles or, or way of breathing, which is really from our neck because we've stopped breathing through our rib cage. So there's a lot of belly movement and a lot of neck movement as the body just, because it will get the job done, right? Your breathing's kept you alive up until now. So like, awesome. Well done. Like <laughs> sipping through a straw. You're like, you're getting yeah. enough. <laughs> yes. Except what we don't realize is that it's, stopping because we're not breathing optimally it's stopping so many other things from happening particularly your core from firing because our deep core our reflexive core cannot fire if we are not doing what's called 360 breathing or rib breathing Mm -hmm. so it is really a kind of small kind of training and awareness that also happens through the movements that i'm teaching people in in order to find this more optimal way of breathing that then sets off this whole chain of much better movement and functioning and core engagement through the body and pelvic floor health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's what I see with that, what I've seen with myself and, and with my clients, many people complain of neck pain and neck ache. And that's because if you imagine these little upper traps and neck muscles doing this contracting movement 23 times, thousand times a day of trying to help you breathe and get air into your chest because your rib cage is not moving that's a lot of work for those little upper tracks right and so they become overworked they become too dominant
they're also pushing your head forward. So through incredible, incredible difference that it gives to people. And it does, it does become the way you breathe, right? Again, it's just awareness. It's like just even knowing that there is a more optimal way to walk and a more optimal way to breathe is huge. And if that's all that people get out of the podcast, then I think I've done a great job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If someone's like, hmm, I don't feel my glutes. What does that mean? You're like, now, you know, there's a reshape method. You can start to right. start to meet your, your glutes, your core, your breathing. Right. And if you look at your breathing, right, if you kind of put like one hand on your belly and one hand on your ribs, the side of your ribs and see what is stopping Starting your breath. For many people, the belly is starting the breath or the edge or lateral movement of your ribcage. That is what should be starting your breath. Your belly does come up, but really only at the end. And the problem is that many of us have become chronic belly breathers and neck breathers. Mm-hmm. I'm a belly breather. Yeah, I don't. It, it, I had a uh, fascial re- massage and I was like, I can breathe. Yeah. And it comes from, yeah. So even just being aware that, that needs to happen. And being right. mindful and, and sending yeah. some breaths to the, yeah. the rib cage. Yeah. There's awareness, but there's also training that's involved. And that's where the reshape workouts become so important because it's all these muscles called intercostal muscles between, between all the ribs going right around the rib cage, back and front. And if you've been a chronic belly or neck breather or like and the joints where the rib meets the spine have become sticky and they don't actually move. And so there is um, there is kind of a, a, a movement component that needs to come in to get those muscles um, firing again, to get those joints moving again, so that your body can just um, find that rib breath more, more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it becomes like, automatic this is like a a pattern i'm i'm getting from from this conversation is that these things that then don't require conscious effort as much anymore just in the way that like sitting doesn't require your conscious thought yeah we start to yeah develop different habits we're just mapping new kind of gps territory for the brain which is also great for the aging brain right the aging brain loves getting new input and building new neural pathways and things it's not that the body can't do it right it's just that our world our our, our world the world that your brain maps your proprioception um has narrowed your movement has narrowed most people don't even realize that they've lost range of motion when i'm um when I'm doing private sessions with people, right, we, we, we create so many compensations. The brain is phenomenal, right? It will get things done. We'll just get things done. But the thing is that we don't realize that while it's getting things done, it's creating these movement cheats. It's creating these suboptimal patterns. And that is what is um, affecting our, 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 our pain, our balance, our, our, our shape, our weight, all these things, our mood, right? Because it's like, shame, I hate the analogy of, of boiling the frog, poor frog. But yeah, it happens slowly, 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 right? If you turn the heat up high, you'll know, oh, there's a problem, the frog will jump up. But because it's happening so slowly and incrementally over like 30, 40 years, you don't even realize that that's happened. Like a lot of people, I'll say, you know, can you lift your arm above your head? Yeah, everybody will take that. Oh, and they'll lift, look, 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 I can lift my arm above my head. But what most people don't realize is that in order to get the move done, 
okay? They're actually lifting their ribcage and slightly backbending their spine. So if you're moving your ribcage or your spine to get your arm above your head, you're not actually moving the arm. If you keep your ribcage still and then lift your arm above your head, suddenly it's like, oh, actually, I've got way less range of motion than I thought I had. And and that's where the kind of um, dialing in of the work that I do as a posture and movement specialist, that's where the magic happens. Because you're not just getting it done, you're getting it done well. And then the brain can map that and then the change can happen. Because just as the body adapts, away from optimal, like I was saying, it adapts to the position you're in the most, when you give it new input, when you give it new boundaries, when you give it new challenges in the right way, suddenly, right, the change starts to happen for for the good, for the benefit. And a lot of uh, range of motion limitations are from the brain. Like we don't, you know, the proprioception, like we don't know necessarily that we can put our arm behind our head, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the shoulder can, I guess, extend that far. Like we're like, no, that's as far as it goes. Like my brain has a limitation, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a metaphor for other areas of life, which is maybe why your clients experience like, oh, I, I also surpass my limitations in work once I know I can move You're in right. certain ways. But it's also so important for injury prevention because like they always say like, don't, um, what is it? Knee valgus. Like don't squat where where your knees kind of go inwards, but it's like, but that's going to happen one day. You're going to slip on the stairs and your Mm -hmm. knee's going to go the wrong way. If there is some flexibility and and often what will happen is like when we feel the joints going to go past the range of motion that we think it can do, we tighten everything. And then that's when that force actually uh, enters into the actual joint structures. And that's when we can have an injury. But if we're like, Oh, actually, you know what? Like I, there's a flexibility, there's a looseness, like the juiciness that you talked about where things can kind of move beyond the end point that I thought they can, you know, I, I can move in space and three-dimensional space, you know, when something goes wrong and you fall, you slip on ice, there's a lot more um, fluidity to recovering that doesn't put strain on one specific area, right? Like the knee or the ankle or whatever it is. Um, And so like this, uh, like keeps us, uh, what do you call it? Hard to break, (laughs) unbreakable, (laughs) no, anti-fragile. Anti-fragile, yeah, yeah. yeah. On my world, I call it aging audaciously, right? Because the stuff is gonna happen. The stuff is gonna happen. Yeah, like you're gonna gonna fall or something's going wrong in yoga. Yeah, exactly. And if you can kind of like, well, my shoulder knows how to kind of move that way. It's done it, it like it's it's, it's yes. within the the capability of the joint, you know. Wow. And I I don't need to like tense the muscles to try and protect it, try and defend. Like it, there's um, there's more possibilities to my movement. Correct. That can yeah. be accommodated. And, and the way we go about that though is in a very slow, progressive way, right? Which is why the reshape method is broken into these three phases, because to start that process of getting more range, you have to meet your body and your tissues where they are at. You don't just push and, people down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like often, you know, as I was taught yoga as well. And I was like, initially like, you know, I was like heavy into a younger yoga when I was a teen and it's like the yoga teacher would come and just like, oh. okay, we're not doing any of Push that. Push you into a forward <laughs> fold. And you're like, I didn't, I don't know. Like, I can't even hold that because I don't even know what you're doing. Like, you're- yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's really about meeting the body where it's at and then 
and then progressing through that and doing doing the kind of stretch work because it's 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 three things that work together it's strength balance strength and the particularly balanced strength in the hip in the hip muscles in the lateral hip muscles that is a big problem for many um women <laughs> working women who have sat at their desk the majority of their life is that they actually lack lateral hip strength not only that but the, they they lack the neural pathway between the brain and the hips. They don't even know that their muscles can even do this thing that I ask them to do, right? Mm -hmm. And that and that's part of the, the flat foot, the pronated foot, because it, it, it's part of the knee issues. It's not a knee issue. It's not a foot issue. It's a hip issue because that's where the motion is controlled. That's where the big muscles are. Many of say, people say, oh, I'm flat-footed. Are we orthotic? Da, 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 da. Because that arch in the foot is like the hole in the donut. It's created by, by the muscles in the foot, up the leg, right into the hip, right? That whole fascial chain through the back, all the way up to the top of the head, right? So it's not a foot issue. It's not an arch issue. It's a whole body issue. And that hip strength, huge. Most people say like, I don't know, balance. Balance is about strength. It's about balanced strength through the body. Um, and it's so important to go at the pace that the body's at. And a big thing that people have a lot of issue with when they come into the reshape method is that I need people to stretch at a very low intensity. And a lot of people, especially people who come from an exercise background, really, really have a problem with that because we come from the no pain, no gain. You know, the yoga teacher is pushing you into a stretch. To your edge. <laughs> right we have to stay in order to create long-term change in the body we need this conversation right because as you were saying like a lot of our muscle tension and fascial tension is actually set by the brain people will say oh i have such short hamstrings right i can't touch my toes but they'll go under anesthetic and the surgeon will just be able to lift their leg all the way up what's <laughs> what's that about right it's about the muscle tension being set by the brain and so to create proper long-term change in the body, we need to be exercising, particularly when it comes to stretching, because change happens through stretch, strength, and release. It's these three things together at the same time that we're doing in the reshape method. Mm. You can't just strength or just stretch or just release. They need to be speaking to each other. So each workout is doing all these things together, and that creates the change. Um, but in terms of the stretching, a lot of us are overstretching. We're going beyond a level five out of 10. And what's really important to understand is that muscles have two properties. They have an active zone and a passive zone. We want to keep our stretch in the active zone, which is like a level four or five, which like for long-time exercises feels like, oh, I'm doing nothing here. And it can be really, really hard. But we want to stay in that zone where the brain is talking to the muscle and the muscle is talking to the brain. And they're having this conversation that change is required. And that happens in the kind of level four, five stretch. If you go beyond that, you're going into the second quality of a muscle, which is the stretchy rebounding quality of the muscle, because we were designed to be able to reach up high for the apple in the tree, right? We can do that. We can go to the edge of our strength. It uses a different part of the muscle cell. 
but it's passive. It's not having a conversation. You're just rebounding. So if you continue to stretch in the stretchy, stretchy, passive rebounding properties of your muscles, you're not really going to create the real change that we are after. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And also like a lot of it, it can put stress on tendons too. Like there's a lot of yoga injuries sure. happen. You don't feel the tendon stretching and then cry. Like it, Correct. you can get some tear in there. So that's actually really useful and really interesting. I never even thought about like that. You feel like if I don't get that, if we talk about like the edge, it's like mm-hmm. when you feel like if you stretch any further, it's going to break. It's like, stay there, <laughs> which is probably not. Now, I, I say to people, when we work into the edge in, in my approach, the edge is a five out of 10, not okay. a nine out of 10. <laughs> yeah, which right. is actually like significantly less than what you're trained in yes. yoga to. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, I guess we should talk about shoes because we we mentioned, so, I mean, you did allude to it, right? It's like, it's yes. not like just put an orthotic there to hold, like if somebody handed you a donut <laughs> that had a thing inside the hole to keep the, the hole open, you'd be like, that's a crappy donut. Like, <laughs> give me a proper donut where there's integrity, where it's like held up of its own accord. Um, And this is the idea with the foot and ice, you know, also like how Nike transformed our gait so that we land on the heel. There's a whole conspiracy of shoes. This could be a whole other podcast. We should probably come back on and talk about shoes. Um, Like we don't even think like shoes are shoes. I never gave shoes a second thought, right? What, you know, can't be an entire industry that's actually ruining our health. Turns out it is. And the foot, what's so fascinating about the foot is that um, the foot is meant to be as dexterous as our hands. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the foot's kind of important. 25% of the muscles and bones in your body are from your ankle down. Kind of gives you a clue that the foot is like a really, really important part of the body. The problem is we've been putting our feet in shoes that constrict the motion Mm -hmm. that are much narrower than the actual width of the human foot. There's all this articulation and movement that is meant to be happening through those 33 joints of the forefoot. And because just like we've been put in chairs since we were six years old, we've been put in shoes that are too narrow for the foot and that have us in a heel, in what's called a positive heel. So part of the reason why we're glute amnesic, (laughs) why we've lost the butt, is that that we've been sitting in chairs for so long and also the shoes. Because many people will come to me and I'll say, well, we need to stop transitioning. This is a big thing. If anybody's hearing this podcast, please listen to me loud and clear. I do not want anybody just throwing off their shoes and buying Vibram Five Fingers or going to buy a minimal shoe. Everything about your body has adapted mm-hmm. to, for you to be in the condition and position and alignment that you are in today. If any of this work is done too fast, without transitioning, without supervision, you will injure yourself. Yeah. More than likely, right? And Vibram Five Fingers was actually, you know, those funny flat shoes with the little toe things, right? And they now were, there's like a whole industry of like yeah, zero shoes they, or minimal they shoes. They were sued by people because they're like, well, I went from my dress shoes to Vibram Five Fingers and now I've like got, you know, these heel spurs and this and that. Because, yeah, it is a very, very slow process of transitioning. And you've got to be doing the corrective exercises and the strength work and the 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 neuromuscular movement patterning work in in order to bring strength and range of motion back 
into your foot. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way thing. When you lose, the foot is the first thing that's making contact with the ground. So it is setting off this whole chain reaction of what of what is happening all the way up into the hip, up into the back, right? So muscles are muscles or ranges of movement are either being used or not being used, depending on what is happening through the foot. And in most of us, we've got so little range of motion in the foot. All our motion is just coming from the ankle, and that is creating a whole host of issues. So we've got to start by doing the corrective exercises that get the range of motion and the strength back into the foot and up the leg, mm-hmm. right? Because what's happening in the hip is affecting what's happening in the foot, and what's happening in the foot is this two-way street that's happening. So you can't just work on the foot as a thing. You've got to be working on the whole body. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a transition process. Like it took me a good nine months to almost a year to be able to transition to a minimal shoe. And it's a process that I take people through in the reshape method. You, mm-hmm. That has to be done in combination with the movements. But when you can get that that range of motion and, and strength and movement from the foot, when you are able to wear a minimal shoe, just going for a walk is a whole new experience, right? Yeah. We need support. We need support. People say, oh, but I need support in my, in, in my feet. <laughs> you need support because you've lost the strength. Adding support just means you're going to get weaker. That's what I'm saying. That, yeah, like every one of my family members that like, go and get their orthotics and I'm like, but I did learn the lesson. I got my dad minimal shoes and he, because he is at a hip replacement. He just clomps, like his feet are kind of like exactly as you were describing. It's just like bricks, that yeah. are attached to his ankles that just flop as he walks. And in contrast, this to um, I have a cousin who's a professional professional MMA fighter. I always talk about her on this podcast for some reason. She has a video of her opening up a wine bottle, pouring herself a glass of wine, and serving it to herself with her feet <laughs> because she's she works out barefoot and and she yeah. ha- does a lot of functional movement training as an athlete. Yeah. You know where the every movement counts, the and if you don't huge. move properly, you get pushed in the face. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, the foot is huge. The foot is huge. And what we've done is we've, for so many reasons we won't even get into, we have restricted the movement of the foot by wearing shoes that are too narrow. And then the problem with the heel is that in order for those beautiful glute and hip muscles to give us this butt-driven, posterior-driven push-up that we were talking about that the human body really, really needs in order for those glutes to be firing all day when you're just walking around the supermarket, Right then um, your your femur, your leg needs to be vertical. That is 90 degrees to the ground. Anything off 90 degrees, you're now diagonal, you tipped forward. That means you tipped onto your quads. You become quad dominant, right? That means your brain can't, you can, that's why you can be doing those glute bridges, right? <laughs> you're just using your quads again. But yeah. You go for a walk, your brain cannot find your glute to walk you because your shoes are pushing you onto your quads. Your shoes are tipping you forward off 90 degrees onto a diagonal. Many people will say to me, but it's, I don't wear heels. I'm like, well, put your hand in your sneaker and tell me if that sneaker has you in a positive heel where the heel is higher than the toes. And unless you have specifically bought, a lot of the big companies now are coming out with like minimal type shoes mm-hmm. uh, where they do have you a little bit flatter. If you haven't specifically bought a transition shoe or a minimal shoe, I bet you your shoe, your, your, your running, your sneaker has you in a positive heel. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. People say, well, I don't wear heels. I don't look. I wore heels for a lot of my life because I'm vertically challenged. So like there's no <laughs> argument there. But even tall people say, but I don't wear heels. I'm like, zero is zero. Even if it is like two, like <laughs> an inch, right? Half an inch. If you put like a half inch block under a bookcase, that bookcase is going to tip forward. There's just no arguing with gravity. Yeah. Zero is zero, right? And oh, what what makes me so mad? I've got a little nine year old. Even little girls' shoes, they started putting heels on. It's right? really hard to find minimal it's insidious. shoes. Yeah, like I so I broke my foot last summer. And I was in one of those boots. And so the, the process is like cu- a couple weeks in the boot and then transition to a supportive shoe. And I, and I usually will do like minimal or flat shoes. Like I was always more like not into shoes <laughs> or socks, <laughs> but you can't really go to a zero shoe after breaking your foot when the, right. when the bone is still healing, yes. you have to take all uh, the force off of it. So I was going to these more like, kind of Birkenstock croc things. And you really do feel like your foot's not participating anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of re and then there's trauma in the, in the, in the whole foot as well. Like the nerves are like, don't move that way because that was bad. You know, so yeah, yeah, there's like a a returning. So it's, it's still, I'll do certain movements and I'll hear kind of like in my, in my foot is like the fascia's kind of figuring itself out again. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because yeah, it, it definitely, there's like a transition now I'm kind of transitioning back into zero shoes. Correct. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, it, it was hard. I was looking for minimal shoes and what I was finding wasn't. And then I was looking for kind of like a transition shoe and it was, it was questionable if that was, you know, yeah, like Crocs and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm, these are probably not that good for your feet, yeah. but it's a yeah. whole world where it, there's yeah. a lot of like misinformation. And uh, mm-hmm. that's like, every time I encounter one of those like kind of things, I get, I get like champion about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The whole family now. And, and please, I just got to put a caveat out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling anybody to throw out their orthotics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please do not throw out your orthotics. I will never say to somebody that they should not do something that a medical professional said that they should do. It's 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 a process and it's an exploration and it's a conversation, you know, with your medical professional. But just even knowing that there is another option that is not a spot treatment approach. Right. Some people will never be able to get out of the orthotics, right? Depending what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Let's put that out there. Right, right. But just even knowing that there is um, something else that you can do, that there is maybe an issue that's happening in your foot and your hip that you haven't thought about or that your podiatrist hasn't mentioned, huge breakthrough as well. Yeah, and this is, I think, the work we both do, right? It's like you could be on a medication. How, how, first of all, how do things all connect? Because maybe the foot problem is solved, but not the hip problem, which is where it originates from. But the other part that's also something that people shouldn't feel shame about is that it it does have the potential to like, so it's putting your foot in a different position that's sending information to your brain. And so that, that may provide some material to work with, right? It's like, it's not like your muscles are actively creating that position of the foot, but if, if your foot is placed in this position, it it may be actually beneficial in some ways to kind of teach the brain. Okay. Here's. And that's what we do. I ask people to move in increments. I'm saying, 
don't stand exactly the same way. Don't put your foot down because most people have a bit of a, a turnout, which is affecting the hip muscles, which is then affecting the foot. So saying don't walk in exactly the same way. I'll give them tips of what to do in terms of the distance of their feet, in terms of the angle of their foot. But I'm saying make that change incrementally, 5% at a time, right? And that gives new information to the brain. Even that small little change is going to give new information to the brain. The brain loves new information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It loves figuring it out. And it will figure it out. It's like and throw out your crossword puzzle and do this program. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I my... Figure it out and it will change. And people are saying, but I'm just moving my foot up fraction out of my kind of normal adaptive position and suddenly all these muscles are firing that I didn't even know I had and yeah it, it can really be as simple as that that's so exciting yeah and yeah it's just these tiny things that don't occur as work and then we have these big transformations right um, absolutely and I think my last thing I want to talk about well there's a couple of things that I wrote down but one of them is muscle like the importance of muscle I think you know, this again could be an entire podcast, but there, and then especially in the population you work with, like the kind of the third age, I think you, yeah. you described it as right. Like the, the sort of like perimenopausal, postmenopausal age, women in their mid forties and, and, and up, there's this need for muscle yeah. from a health standpoint, but I don't, and I, I think as a culture, we're getting more into like muscle because it's like sort of a glute warship and that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> But um, yeah, maybe let's talk about that because I have had uh, patients who their main goal is weight loss. So they'll come in with weight loss and we'll talk about, okay, strength training. And they're like, but I don't, I want to be bigger. I have this image in my head of like a Kate Moss felt mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm. <laughs> let's talk. Yeah. Why, why do we want muscle, Tracy? Muscle is, muscle is huge, right? Muscle is what gives us shape. Um, muscle is what kind of sets because muscle is metabolically active it 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 sets your resting metabolic rate in other words your body needs to use calories and burn calories to kind of service your muscle mass while you are not exercising while you're just sitting while you're just working while you're just sleeping right and we're doing those things for way more hours in the day than we're working out. <laughs> so if you can increase your muscle mass, then you're increasing your resting metabolic rate, you're getting a better shape, and of course you're getting better movement because movement comes from muscle. You're better at your exercise time and you're better at just like the daily things you do, right? Just picking up stuff and reaching for stuff and walking, walking. Huge, and getting right? into arguments because if you're like muscular, and somebody's like getting you down, there's just this, you're not going to punch them, but there's this knowledge of like, I could beat them up. Like <laughs> this is like metaphorical, yeah. right? It's like, I feel more solid in the world. You feel more solid in the yeah. world. Confidence, right? That's why I say like, I help people age with audacious confidence and strength because there's an emotional connection, I believe, between strength and, and confidence mm-hmm. in all sorts of aspects, right? Our bodies just know that. And I know a lot of people come into the program because their, their fear is aging frail and frailty mm-hmm. is about muscle. Mm-hmm. It's about muscle. And you're not going to bulk up. <laughs> you're not, you're going to have to work pretty darn hard to bulk up, which is really, really not going to happen. Well, because 
and 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 why this kind of muscle centric approach that I take becomes even more more important for my age group is because muscle mass peaks at about age 25. And for every kind of decade thereafter, we're losing five to eight percent of our muscle just because of the aging process. And then that exacerbates, that starts going faster at late perimenopause and early into menopause because you're now losing the benefits of estrogen. Mm. So we've got to keep up with the muscle loss. It is kind of a normal age-related muscle loss that happens that can actually then develop into like a muscle loss syndrome called sarcopenia. And that's what we want to be avoiding. Okay. So I liken muscle, um, particularly for, for the age group of women that I work with, it's like walking up a down escalator. If you are not doing things in your day in terms of your movement and nutrition as well, there's a nutrition component to it as well. And there's also a stress component to it. If you aren't doing the right things to build and keep your muscle, then you're losing muscle. Mm-hmm. So you've 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 got to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's just no way around it. And and having that having that muscle will do all these amazing things in terms of your shape, right? Very often, like we need to think more in weight loss. In terms of weight loss, I believe we need to think more in terms of um, of our body fat percentage than the weight of the scale. Because what happens is that a lot of women will go on diet. They'll go on a calorie restrictive diet, and they will lose they will lose kilos. But what they're not understanding on that diet is that they they're losing a combination of fat and muscle and bone right. and organs sometimes and bone and organs depending and on what that. diet you're doing yeah and then they'll stop the diet and they'll put on weight well you're not putting on muscle now you're putting on 100 fat <laughs> yeah. i have a course called you weigh less on the moon because you do like it's it's mass and specifically fat mass you want to lose not just weight because if you want to lose weight go to the moon <laughs> you'll and be really right there yeah. that's why i'm really like the woman in my program like some people the reshape method is not a weight loss program i say it's about it's about shape it's about health it's about pain it's about aging audaciously not everybody who comes into the reshape method wants any kind of weight loss at all Mm -hmm. but for those people who do there are some nutrition and nutritional coaching aspects to the program but what we're really looking at is body fat percentage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. want to make sure that we are not uh, losing weight and increasing body fat percentage we want to be decreasing our body fat percentage that is something we after we've got to look after our muscles <laughs> so well after age 45 and really and really guard them and really uh, with nutrition as well um super super important most women are not getting adequate amounts of protein at each meal um to protect and build muscle you said it tracy Say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Protein, everyone. Remember? <laughs> it's like literally every podcast episode. <laughs> but in, you know, it's true. Like every time I focus more on strength building and muscle building in, in terms of like what my workout goals are, I always experience more, com- more mm-hmm. better body image, more body confidence. And it has nothing to do with what I weigh, my, yeah. my, what clothes I fit into. It's, it's something about, I think it has a lot to do with the nervous system feedback, right. the, 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 
I mean, I'll say posture because I don't know if I'm necessarily working with my alignment, but this sense of like feeling, you know, this strength, this internal strength Mm -hmm. and resilience in, in both body and mind. But I also feel at least I think I look better and that's kind of all that matters, right? It's like body image is really the thing and then health. And so I try and explain that to patients who are not necessarily motivated to do strength training because I was trained in that cardio model of like calories in calories out, eat less and then go for a run and just torch calories. But what's happening is you're in a catabolic state. Yeah. Right. Your your body's breaking down and there's this like this defeated, like, it's not, it's not, I'm not in as good of a mind state as when I'm building strength. I would And, and, and where this, okay. So two things I want to mention here. The one is the caveat about alignment. Yes. (laughs) Women over 45, absolutely, absolutely should be strength training. Should you like doing your yoga and your Pilates and your swimming and your walking is not enough. Yeah. You've got to be adding external load, but Mm-hmm. you've got to be doing something like the reshape method first and fixing your alignment. Because if you are adding external load to a structure that is misaligned, there is a high likelihood that number one, you're going to land up with injuries and setbacks. And number two, you're not going to really be getting benefit out of that strength training session because the muscles aren't in the right position to fire properly when you're lifting the weight because of the positioning of the bone. So that's that's the one thing I yeah. wanted to say. Mm-hmm. We've got to, again, just... Give yourself the gift of this time to step back a little bit, get yourself in the best shape, biomechanically speaking, as possible, so that you can just launch forward, right, and do all these amazing things that you love to do and that you know are good for you, offer strong, firm, solid foundation. Otherwise, it's like playing Jenga. Have you ever played Jenga, right? You're adding load to the top, the structure's getting more balanced at the bottom, and eventually everything just topples down. Yeah, That's what you yeah. want to be avoiding. So, yeah, I say strength training, I say muscle, but with the caveat are first fixing your movement patterns, optimizing your alignment and your breathing and all these kinds of things. Because also for women in this age category, we were talking about pelvic floor issues and stuff. If they're not coming into the strength training with a good breath technique and with a good core engagement technique, it can cause or exacerbate pelvic floor issues, Mm -hmm. which you want to be avoiding, all right? So there's that. Um, And then the other thing about muscle and cardio is that um, menopausal women, perimenopausal women, as estrogen starts to decline, cortisol starts to go up. Mm. So we are starting our exercise. We are different. We are different to the women we were in our 20s and our 30s, even our early 40s. We're different to men. So the prescriptions are not the same. We are starting with a higher cortisol level. That means you've got to be very careful of the kind of exercise is a stress. It's a stressor on the body. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that you're doing the right kind of exercise for your age and stage, not the right kind of exercise that was good for you when you were 20, because your cortisol levels are now higher. That means any added stress is going to shoot them even higher, right? Which is going to do things to your nervous system, which is going to affect your menopausal symptoms, the hot flushes. Mm-hmm the weight gain because of insulin and all that, because of the insulin and the cortisol that affects the belly fat, it's going to affect your sleep, all these, many of these issues that 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 women complain about as, as menopause issues are really, really linked to cortisol levels in the body, which can then be linked to the type of exercise that you're doing, the intensity of it, the endurance of it. Um, and also, and cortisol is muscle wasting. <laughs> 
And right. we want to protect our muscles. So there's the sweet spot that we have to find and that I believe I help women find, you know, starting with the reshape method. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, because I'm even just thinking like from this conversation, lying in that psoas stretch that you describe for 10 minutes could be, could bring you more, uh, you know, like deliver more, more return on investment than going for an hour run, which is just going to load the cortisol from your day, you know, and, and who wouldn't prefer to just hang out on their bed or whatever, wherever you do the stretch. Me personally, I was a gym bunny. We've got all this gym equipment. I was a personal trainer as well. It was all about the running and the killing it on the elliptical trainer and all these things like harder, better. Because that's what we think we need to do. Like, and it was when I stopped doing all that stuff that everything changed for the better in terms of the pain, in terms of the, the weight change, in terms of, the shape change in terms of the 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 perimenopausal symptoms that I was battling with. So um mm-hmm. and the shape you know, change, right? Because cortisol more. will change your shape. It changes color distribution. Yeah. 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 This is good. I'm glad that you're here reiterating. <laughs> it's, it's validating. See everyone, Tracy says the same things. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. I mean, the last thing is consistency. And I know, you know, that's it, right? It's like, it's not so much about the one amazing workout. It's that small habitual change over time. It's not, it's not about missing the workout or like doing it every, like perfectly every single day, but like, what is the overall pattern just that in the way that we're consistent with sitting, <laughs> you know? Um, and I guess maybe some final tips or maybe how you, you work with that in the reshape method. Yeah. It's all about, uh, it's all about frequency and distribution, right? We've got to, it's, it's about the consistency is about that mindset shift, right? And this is what I'll, I'll leave people with is if you can try and think about, Let's say you're a walker. <laughs> I know it's with the you know with the pandemic and everything, it was so awesome to see people. Like I used to be the only one walking around my suburb. I would yeah. like it'd be like a beautiful autumn day, and I would be the only one walking <laughs> around the suburb, right? And then when the pandemic hit, it was like oh, it's amazing. It's so great to see people out walking, right? Even in so, the dead of winter, you're like, this is yeah. a week I would normally wouldn't see anyone, but here they are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was amazing that a lot of people have kind of embraced the benefits of walking. Huge, right? Because there's so many wonderful things that walking can do for us. Uh, particularly when you start to get a back building posterior driven walk, right? <laughs> but even if you're not, walk, walk, because there's so much going on when you walk, right? And walking, the human body evolved to walk. It did yeah. not evolve to run on a treadmill or even walk on a treadmill. Oh, we didn't even get to the treadmill discussion. Yeah, I was just going to, I'm just going to jump in. Like, you know, I had a patient who was like into the Peloton during the yeah. uh, pandemic. And this was somebody that traveled a lot when it wasn't the pandemic. I was like, I think your brain and nervous system needs to. Yes. In walking, you explore, you move, you map territory. Like you can't just let your dog out in the backyard, yeah. even if they run around like crazy. They need right. to walk. It's it's important yeah, there's for the sun, there's the visual way. thing, there's what's happening yeah. to your eyes. Like when you walk on a treadmill, like the everything about the human body evolved to walk. Let yeah. me say that over and over. Let me stress it. Right? Yeah. It's so our it's our movement. Yeah, it is our movement. Mm-hmm. The human Our body, brain needs the it. The human too. body did not evolve to run. There were only certain people in the tribes that would run, and I would not have been one of them. <laughs> in like spurts, right? Like a dog. Like yes. like my dog doesn't want to run 
consistently for an hour, but he will like run to get somewhere. I started to try and do that too. If I'm out in the country camping, mm-hmm. like I'll run a hundred yards to get water, yes, walk, yes. you know, right? like a child. Right. There, were, <laughs> there were those endurance runners, right? That would chase yeah, like they would like hunt down a wildebeest. Day, right. But yeah. those were only certain people who were really talented at that, who had the, the skeletal structure and the, you know, muscle twitch to be able to do that. Running is completely overrated. Let me put that out there. Okay? Yeah, I agree. But there are other things that you need to do. So <laughs> I can't even remember where we are with the conversation. I think while we were at, yeah, consistency and like, and walking. Yeah. Everyone was like out walking. So, like, so if you're yeah. out walking, so my tip for you is, especially if you're working a desk job, especially if you're at your computer, we want to be moving all day long. It is much better to get up and have a five-minute break, to walk around, to just go to the post op, the post box or whatever, to just walk around the block consistently throughout the day, get the sunlight, get the fresh air. There's so much happening. There's all these different things. It's, it's, it's the feeling of the sun on your skin. It's your eyes being able to focus a longer distance than the walls in your house, right? Mm-hmm. And those your your eye muscles actually relax when you focus into your distance. Mm-hmm. And that sends feedback to your nervous system. Nervous system. Yeah. Correct. So I'm saying mm-hmm. instead of waiting for the end of the day to go for your 45-minute walk or your hour walk, do that if you have the time. But also, right, get up and walk around during that. It all counts. That's the message that I want to leave with you frequency and distribution we need to take our movement and spread it out throughout the whole day because that's how the body evolved to move and that's how the body wants to move not still 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 just get it all done and tick off your exercise block no we and we also think oh you know that that five minute walk around the block doesn't count it does it a hundred percent Counts. Yeah. Especially after meals from an insulin perspective. It yes. actually is amazing for people yes. with type 2 diabetes. I see it in their blood work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if you're working in an office, get some colleagues and go and, you know, go and go and walk with colleagues. Like I, I have a client who walks in a hospital. She was like, but you know, we I'm like, put more movement in your day. She says, how? I'm like, well, do you have a lunch break? Yes. Well, what do you do in your lunch break? I usually sit at my desk and eat and work. I'm go like, on my phone. Yeah. Use that lunch break and go for a walk. So she started walking like just around the parking lot. Just do what you can do. It doesn't have to be the perfect walk in the perfect setting. Just walk, just walk. And then people started joining her, right? So it becomes a community thing, which is so important for us as human beings as well, right? Mm-hmm. To create a sense of community with people. I, personally, I like walking alone <laughs> um, because then I can really focus um, on, on my walk. I don't have to keep up with other people. But yeah, spreading your movement throughout your day in whatever way you can and where possible, getting off your chair, getting off your chair. Because if you're watching TV at night, you don't have to be sitting on the chair, sit on the floor. But don't sit directly on the floor. Don't sit, sit on a cushion on the floor because we don't want our pelvis tucking under us either. Mm. So I sit on a cushion on the floor mm. wherever I can. I also have a beanbag if I'm going to be sitting reading. I'll sit and read my beanbag because anything that's not putting your body at 90 degrees at the hips, 90 degrees at the knees, right? Mm-hmm. And while you're on the floor watching TV or reading a book or 
doing whatever it is that you're doing. Like I even have uh, in, 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 in our sitting room area, I'll have some bolsters under the coffee table and my friends know they'll come and they'll sit on the floor and they'll sit on the bolsters or I'll sit on the bolster. And then you'll be surprised. You're like, oh, well, I'm on the floor anyway. Let me do like a little V stretch, right? And when Actually, I started, are more aware of your body, yeah. Yeah, and your body will want to move. And when I started um, getting like a floor sitting workstation, and always when I say floor sitting, I don't mean sitting on the floor. I mean sitting on a cushion on the floor. That's that's a really important caveat. My kids would come past my office and they were like, like aren't you uncomfortable? I'm like, yeah, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm very uncomfortable. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Because in a chair, a chair's so comfortable. You can just sit there for eight hours and before you realize. Well, and we're also used to it, as you said, right? Yeah. Like you're not yeah. used to sitting yeah. on the floor. So you feel the tension all quickly. And every two seconds. Yeah. Before. People who are watching the video, right? You'll see I've been wiggling around the whole time because because my body's keep it's giving me the message that okay, I've been too much in this position, shift to the next position. So you're doing it without even noticing it because we're saying uncomfortable in a good sense of the word, right? Because my body, without me needing to think about it, is prompting me to move in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fidgeting, the repositioning. Yeah, like when we say like sit on a cushion. Uh, and I know Katie Bowman talks about this. It's like, so, you know, I have like firm like meditation cushions and stuff in my, in my uh, apartment downstairs, but it's like, you might be sitting cross-legged. You might have one yeah. leg stretched out. You might have one foot flat. Tell you what I mean, band. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like you're just, you might be leaning on one hip and then you switch to the yeah. other. There's yeah. all these different positions that you can sit in. I like to sit on my, I like to be on my stomach with uh, like kind of sphinx pose, sphinx, mm. sphinx pose while I'm reading. But now that I know that my neck is messed up, I'm more like, yeah, be, you know, so again, it comes back to the alignment thing. Yeah. yeah, of, yeah. So uh, what you can do with that as well is you can take a rolled up towel and put it under your hips. Mm-hmm. That will help. Mm-hmm. And that's great because it's also getting some special opening into those tight hip flexors that we all have from, from chair sitting. Yeah, exactly. And you get to, yeah, this, I think I need to take your program, especially before you raise the price, <laughs> but so maybe yeah, any last thoughts and, and how can we find you? How can we, how can we get started? Oh, well, thank you so, so much for having me on to chat with you today. It's been amazing. I can so nerd on about this biomechanics. Yeah, it's so good. I <laughs> love this conversation. Like I know, and we're already like, we could go on. Like there's so many different branches that I had to like kill off. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> like we could go on about shoes yeah. and muscles. I just, I just hope that I've given people the message that, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same result. And if you had, if you've had, if you had a feeling like I had that something wasn't quite right, something was missing. Yeah. Something is missing. Mm-hmm. There, is, there, there are other ways to do things and this is definitely worth exploring right and it's not like woohoo it is it is science mm-hmm. it is science. it is simple it's like physics so. in fact yeah <laughs> the most the most science of all the sciences right. <laughs> yeah yeah it's about science on the one hand it's about science and on the other hand it's about like evolution right just getting back to basics on one hand it's about science and on the other hand it's, it's about living just in a more natural, easy way and realizing that, you know, as I said, that our our culture of convenience has maybe become a little bit inconvenient. Mm 
you know. And when I talk about more about like natural way of moving and living and stuff, people say to me, oh, but, you know, we don't have the diseases that humans had when they were like living more out of the world. Yeah, we don't. But there is always a consequence Mm -hmm. to things. And the consequence to us not moving as the more natural human beings that we evolved to be are, as we said, these diseases of affluence that we have. The, the heart diseases, certain cancers, osteoarthritis, aches and pains. These are consequences of our modern way, day, way of living. And not saying pack up and go and live in the mountains, right, and forage for your food. As much as I would love to, that's like totally my thing. And I think it's your thing as well. Like you totally. love it. <laughs> my family are not interested, right? <laughs> so so I, I found a way and, and I'm helping women this in the reshape method to bring as much of this into our modern lifestyles mm-hmm. um, without it being kind of too out there or um yeah to become yeah learn to become wild again in yeah yeah well as wild as we can be right <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> the and I will say to the hunter-gatherer thing because that comes up a lot right well they live to average age 30 a lot of that's like child mortality so yes. once you once you solve that problem Mm-hmm. then actually the average age goes up quite a bit. Yes. You have elders in hunter-gatherer societies, right? 100%. You have elder wisdom. And so, and yes. it's also not really about living long. It's about health longevity. It's like about not deteriorating for the last 20 years of your life. It's about like aging audaciously, right? Being, yeah. Being the 90 year old that can squat and lift their great grandchild, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 52 and I can cross the monkey bars. I couldn't even cross the monkey bars when I was a kid. So my message for people is never too late. It's never too late. Once you start doing the right things, once you start giving your body the right kind of input in the right kind of way, it responds and it loves it. Mm. And it all counts. I think I, I think I need to take your program. For my surf. <laughs> Because I need, because I, I want to be surfing when I'm 70. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So if people would like to get hold of me, um, they can go to my website, tracysidercoaching.com. Mm-hmm. I have a free Facebook group, which links from my website. It's called Peri and Menopause Movement Club, uh, Reshaping Your Body and Health. And that's where all the magic goes down is in my Facebook group. I'm doing lots of lives and interviews and, and information and challenges. I have a posture challenge and a walking challenge awesome. where I'm teaching a lot of the stuff. Um, and uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Tracy Sider. And if you go to my website, uh, and maybe we can link below, I have a free posture and alignment quiz where I'm taking you through three of the kind of five main alignment points that I deal with in the reshape method. There are others, but I only deal with five main in the, in the reshape method. In the posture quiz, we're looking at how your current alignment, what feels like your normal, how that compares to the skeleton. Because as I said, we only know what we know, right? We don't even know what good alignment is. What is good alignment? What is good posture? So I'm showing you those points and you can score yourself against that. Um, and see how you're doing because that the results can be quite eye-opening so you can put a link to that below or you can get that from my website yeah i'll put all this in the show notes so all the places people can find you so just check out the show notes everyone uh for links and yeah this is great this is so exciting i'm gonna i'm I'm in your facebook group so i will be perusing the content for sure and you might you might see me in your program Fantastic. This is so great. This I love this combo. This is so exciting. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks so much. All the best.